Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, Today I'm going to be covering uh, second half hitters and pitchers I like. Uh, there's about uh, 10, 10 to 12 guys, uh, mostly hitters, four pitchers um, that I'm going to go uh, and talk about a little bit. Before I jumped into that, though, I just wanted to give a shout out to all of you listening to this podcast. Uh, earlier this week, um, I hit 50,000 listens for the podcast total since I started recording. Uh, it's been about a year and 80, this is the 83rd episode, so 82 episodes to get there. Um, I just want to, I cannot thank you guys enough for, for listening. Like when I first started doing the podcast, the reason why I did it is that I was writing articles. It was taking a really long time. Um, I was doing Twitter and the articles was taking a really long time. And I always felt like I was, I wasn't able to give my full analysis. Folks who listen to the podcast know I like to get deep. I like to go really deep on the players really try to understand what the different metrics are saying about their performance, why it's happening, whether it's likely to continue, whether good or bad. And and I really feel like the podcast medium gives me the opportunity to do that, uh, as does the fact that you guys um, are listening, right? Maybe I'd still be doing it if one person was listening to it, but uh, the positive feedback that I've gotten, the fact that folks are listening, the the fact that more and more people are listening, um, just really, really... um, uh, provides me with some extra motivation to make sure that I'm getting podcasts out on a consistent basis, although I'd like to get them out more. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, I just really cannot thank all of you enough, especially those of you who have been listening since the get-go. Um, I just, uh, you know, I really can't thank you enough for listening and, and kind of giving me this opportunity um, to share, um, you know, what I love to do in a medium that I feel like is most conducive to doing that. So, um, thank you guys um, so much for that and for listening. Um, uh, before um, I, we move on with kind of talking about the second half, guys, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, my process um, in identifying these guys. So essentially what I did in looking at uh, players is I'm trying to look for guys who, um, you know, whether or not they're owned or not, like a, a pretty much all of the guys except for some of the pitchers that I'm talking about, are most likely to be owned in your league, except for maybe some of the some of the catchers. You know, I guess there's a couple hitters maybe um, who are unknown in leagues, but guys that aren't necessarily like you know they're not they're not necessarily all stars or guys who are doing super well. They maybe had disappointing first halves, uh, but I see some signs that they're doing better. And what I've done to identify those folks is I've essentially gone to the last 30 day leaderboards just to see if there's anything that's interesting that's hopping out. So like, uh, you know, are there any changes like guys showing up in the plate discipline uh, metrics, you know, that uh, that don't normally go there? And then what does the rest of their profile look like? Or guys who are seeing an increase in contact recently or hard hit rate or ground ball rates dropping or, you know, barrels, expected woba, looking at all these things and just kind of cross-referencing to see if there are any major changes going on. And as I mentioned all the time, like we don't know for sure whether these changes, if they are happening, are going to hold. Um, right, like some of the metric, a lot of the metrics that we are looking at are predicted, but sometimes it's just natural variance. But in today's game, when you see those little things happening and changes in folks' profile, you really need to hop on it because if you wait that week to see whether it's you know real, real or you wait that month to see whether it's real or for that sample size to get bigger, 
you know, it's just, uh, it's too late because somebody else has already taken a chance on them. Uh, so I've tried to look at that for hitters and then for pitchers, I'm looking at swinging strike rate, uh, in-zone contact rate, control metrics like O-swing, uh, so chase rate on pitches outside the zone, uh, number of pitches are throwing inside the zone, first pitch strike rate, and I'm also looking at called plus swing strike rate, and then some uh, batted ball quality metrics like expected WOBA, and seeing maybe if there are some guys who have been getting unlucky, so maybe they're getting hit around a little bit, and for that reason they're getting dropped, or guys might have a little bit lower thoughts on them, but maybe that is luck and the underlying skills are showing, showing some sort of improvement or some, some sort of thing. So all of the guys that I'm going to talk about now kind of um, uh, qualify in some regards uh, on that. Um, but it's hard, right? Like guys aren't just jumping out of the woodwork all the time uh, that are super interesting. And so, um, you know, I've, I've done my best. I hope it's helpful, um, you know, and, and I'll continue to throw up, you know, tweets and, and podcasts about other guys that I see emerging uh, as as uh, as the season continues in other podcasts, but these are just guys that I wanted to highlight um, at the All Star break as uh, doing uh, fairly interesting things. Uh, the last little bit of news I wanted to mention: uh, nothing to announce uh, right now, but I do have a little bit of exciting news on the podcast front. I think in the next week or so, so uh, be on the lookout for that. I'll, I'll share stuff on Twitter um, uh, when, uh, uh, when that comes to fruition, but, um, some exciting stuff. Um, and also I was on a podcast last week, uh, with, um, uh, with bump, uh, with Bubba from the benched with Bubba, a podcast, um, at KC, uh, Dentrek, uh, D-E-N-T-R-E-K, um, is the Twitter handle, uh, for Bubba. Um, he is awesome. Uh, the podcast, I think, uh, went really well. Um, really enjoyed doing that with him. Always uh, enjoy partnering with him. And so check that out uh, on the Bench with Bubba podcast if you haven't. All right. This is like one of the longer intros uh, I think I've ever done. But uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for making the podcast uh, what it is and for having this just incredible uh, or making me feel like there's just this incredible community around this and and just around uh, the fantasy baseball community that it's helped me develop. Um, if you have not uh, given us a five-star rating and a review on um, iTunes, uh, please uh, definitely do that. Uh, if you like the show, um, it's always really helpful with the algorithm and just you know getting the news out there. Uh, if you have given it a five-star rating and a review or you prefer just to give it a like or a retweet or to share it with your friends, um, anything you can do to help out on that front would uh, be greatly, uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, the best place to reach me, as always, is on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Uh, you are listening to the podcast, so I don't have to mention that. Uh, the blog is BatFlipCrazy.com. Uh, all right. Second half, guys, I like. Let's get this part. Let's kick off the second half hitters and pitchers I like with a guy who started out the first half very, very slowly, but then heated up as the season progressed, and that is uh, Blue Jays catcher Danny Jansen. He was a preseason favorite of mine and, and many other folks. Had him ranked as the number eight catcher um, heading into the year because of the strong plate discipline and contact skills that he showed, the nice hard hit rate um, during his rookie season. And so, um, 
you know, there, there looked like there was a lot to like, but he struggled immensely, batting average well below 200 uh, for much of the first half of the season. And then he's really taken off uh, recently. And I think the, the major difference that you see with Jansen is the quality of contact numbers. So the plate discipline, the contact skills have remained much better than league average. Um, they've gotten better recently. And then he's also got a 47.7% hard hit rate. Um, recently over the last month and he's got seven barrels and 73 plate appearances so nearly a 10 percent barrels per plate appearance in the last month which is really good Um, so a lot of positive signs for Jansen heading into the second half uh, of the year I really like him uh, moving forward if he can maintain these quality of contact improvements with the underlying foundation that he has. I think that's why so many people were high on him heading into the season. I really do think that he could end up being uh, possibly even a top five catcher uh, heading into next year's drafts if he can put together the second half of the season that uh, I and I think some other folks are probably expecting now. Uh, Another catcher I like heading into the second half of the season is Jason Castro. Uh, Castro really burst onto the scene after missing most Uh, of last year through injury. Uh, He shot up the barrel leaderboard really quickly um, after his return uh, a couple weeks after the season had started. And he was actually on top of the barrels per plate appearance lead uh, for a time early in the season. Now, what you might be surprised to find out is that he's currently number two uh, in baseball uh, on the uh, leaderboard. Um, right behind Gary Sanchez, uh, Castro has a 12.4% barrels per plate appearance. He's actually tied with Mike Trout. So he's hit a little bit of a slow patch here. Um, and I think for that reason, a lot of what's happening underneath the surface, you know, folks are kind of um, are souring on him pretty quick, right? He's not a name that people were drafting high. He doesn't come with a ton of pedigree necessarily. And so the cold the cold streak that he's gone through is really being greeted, I think, by a lot of people by, by him being dropped. I know that even in some 15-team leagues, including a main event league of mine, um, he was available on the waiver wire uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And I think a lot of that actually reflects bad luck. Uh, if you look at the league leaders in, who are underperforming their expected WOBA, uh, he is right there. He's, he was number seven when I ran these stats. Uh, a 416 expected WOBA, which is truly elite. Uh, he had a 361 WOBA, so still really good over the course of the season, but not necessarily producing at the clip that uh, the strikeout, walk, and batted ball quality would indicate. Now, over his last 15 games, Castro has a 60% Hard hit weight, hard hit rate. Uh, he's continued to show uh, solid plate skills, and his ground ball percentage is also falling. Uh, and so, those are all recipes for very good uh, results. And so, hopefully, here in the second half, uh, Castro can start to see the woba catch up with that expected woba. Um, as as I always like to point out, you know, expected woba isn't. Uh, predictive necessarily, but I think Castro has shown some just really quality batted ball skills um, and some, you know, and and barrels per plate appearance, barrels per batted ball event. uh, Those are predictive. And so those are the things that are really generating, I think, his value. He's on the Twins. He's in the AL Central. Uh, I think they're going to have a nice couple months of good um, pitching matchups. And so I do like Castro a lot uh, moving forward. 
Um, another guy that I like a lot heading into the second half uh, is Christian Walker. He is another guy who started off really quickly this season. Uh, I remember at one point after a couple weeks, he had a 70% hard hit rate, which was certainly uh, going to come down at some point in time. Uh, but he's cooled down uh, for a while. He started to hit a little bit uh, again, and I think he's actually made some really nice positive adjustments uh, from earlier this year. His contact rate has improved uh, a lot as the season has progressed. His plate discipline is also getting better. It's actually better than league average, and that's an area where he was struggling earlier in the season. And then he continues to hit the ball hard, right? He's not hitting the ball at his 70% hard hit clip, uh, but he is hitting the ball um, very hard, above 40%. Uh, and above league average. So that's very nice. The results haven't necessarily come during that time, uh, but I think he, with his with his hot hitting, uh, at least relatively recently, um, he's getting the bulk of playing time despite the return of Jake Lamb. Uh, he has a 352 expected Woba in seven barrels in his last 79 plate appearances. Uh, all good there. And so I think the combination of improving plate skills and the batted ball quality uh, are going to bode well for Walker heading forward. Uh, on the year, he's got a 9.8% barrels per plate appearance, which ranks 22nd uh, out of hitters with at least 50 batted ball events. So Walker, another guy that I like here uh, in the second half. Um, Jose Abreu is a guy who should really be on everybody's uh, second half players to own list. Uh, and that's just because every second half he seems to just tear the cover off the ball after a slow start. And I think we're going to see something similar from him uh, in the second half. He owns a career slash line in the second half of 312, 379, and 536. That's good for a 148 WRC plus compared to a 123 WRC plus in the first half. Now, generally speaking, you don't put a ton of stock, you know, in first half, second half splits, but his has been pretty consistent throughout his career. And so I, I do buy in a little bit there. Uh, he has eight barrels in his last 91 plate appearances, a 369 expected Woba over the last 30 days. And he's already on pace to break his career high in home runs. With the batting average proving, uh, with batting average proving to be one of the scarcest commodities in the game, uh, I really think that the skills that he's going to show in the second half uh, can be very uh, helpful uh, to um, to fantasy owners. And when you look at Abreu again, quality of contact metrics among hitters with 50 batted ball events uh, or more, uh, he is sixth with an 11.3 percent barrels per plate appearance. Sandwich between Joey Gallo and Christian Yelich, uh, which is a very nice sandwich uh, to be in uh, right there. Next up, we have uh, Justin Turner. Uh, Turner has surprisingly avoided major injuries so far this year. It seems like, you know, his story is always, um, you know, having a great season, gets injured, struggles to come back, and then heats up. But he's gotten pretty consistent playing time, but an unspectacular 294 batting average with 45 runs, 10 home runs, 34 RBI, and one stolen base. Now, again, these stats were pulled. They're probably a little better for Turner because he's already started out a little hot. Uh, this uh, second half, these were pulled at the All-Star break. Uh, so I'm just giving you a timeline in terms of when I was doing a lot of the research for this, just didn't have a chance uh, to record it. But um, 
you know, 45 runs, 10 home runs, 34 RBI, and one stolen base. And a loaded Dodgers lineup really is not what you were probably hoping for. Um, but, you know, Turner seems like the type of guy that would really benefit from the reduced uh, drag on the ball. He doesn't necessarily, he's not like a power hitter's power hitter, but he pulls a lot of fly balls. And so um, for that reason, the low home run total so far uh, is fairly surprising, uh, but he has underperformed his expected WOBA by 36 points. He's got a ridiculous 51.7% hard hit rate for the season, which has actually improved recently at 57.1% uh, over the last month. Uh, his ground ball percentage has gone down um, after being really high early in the season, which I think contributes to that lower home run total. And it actually reminds me a little bit of last season where he struggled early on after the hand injury, but he turned it on with a 356 average in the second half. So Justin Turner is a guy who maybe some fantasy owners are a little disappointed with if you're looking for batting average and maybe uh, a little bit of surprising pop and some RBIs potentially. Um, it's a nice package for Turner. I think you'll get everything except for stolen bases here in the second half. Now, the next two guys are a little bit of speculative uh, guys who I'm speculating a little bit on. You know, there are definitely weaknesses in their profile, but I am um, intrigued by what I'm seeing so far. Uh, the first one is Randall Grichuk. Um, Grichuk uh, is... Um, a guy who I liked a lot heading into this year just as a power bat. He's always had really nice uh, stat cast metrics. Um, and so I really liked that. Uh, he had a really hot second half of last year where his contact rate was up a little bit. And so uh, that was really intriguing to me. So I own him in a number of places, especially got him in a lot of 12-team leagues for some, uh, for some reason. He's been a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, you know, uh, he has 16 home runs now. When I took these stats, he had 15, you know, 233 batting average, 41 runs, 38 RBIs. Um, in 354 plate appearance. So not necessarily what you would like, but when you look at the underlying skills, I'm super intrigued. Over his last 30 games, uh, Grichik has a 92% in-zone contact rate, uh, which is really good for him, well above his career average. And the overall Z contact this year is up 3.5%, uh, which is really nice. So he's more, making more contact. Um, his O swing is also uh, very much improved. Uh, 31.6% O swing in his last 30 games. That actually actually includes um, the uh, lowest O swing, uh, the lowest 30 game O swing of his career, where he was down in the high 20%. Uh, this is a guy who historically has been uh, in between 35 and 36% for O swing. So I really like the uh, improved. Um, plate discipline uh, coupled with the improved contact skills. That's a really nice foundation. Now, he's not elite by any stretch of the imagination in overall contact or in that O swing, but I think every little bit counts. Um, his ground ball percentage is up slightly uh, during this time, um, and his hard hit rate is down a little bit, which I think, you know, sometimes if, if you are making a shift in your approach, that can happen. I think what really interests me about Grichuk is if he can combine the improved plate skills, the O swing and the contact uh, rate improvements, uh, if he can somehow get back to the batted ball quality that he had previously. This year he has a very disappointing 
4.9% uh, barrels per plate appearance. His max exit velo is at 112.6 miles per hour. Uh, his high is at 114.2. And then he is among uh, the league leaders always in terms of barrels, uh, both per plate appearance and per ball, batted ball event. Um, and so for that reason, like he's done this before, hitting the ball hard, hitting the ball hard in the air is a skill. And so um, my hope is that there's something going on. And what was really interesting uh, for me is that um, he got a few days off. He got three days off, um, including, I think he actually got four days off heading into the All-Star break because they didn't play on, on the Thursday leading in. Um, he, got, he got some rest with a bad back. And I just wonder if that's something that's been bothering him uh, a little bit uh, throughout the course of the year, which may have been impacting that barrels per plate appearance and his, his, his ability to really hit the, hit, reach that quality of contact that he's norm, normally able to get. And so my hope is with a full week plus of rest that maybe that back starts to feel a little bit better uh, and he can begin to integrate the batted ball quality um, into the improved uh, plate skills. So uh, we'll see whether that happens or not, but the cost for Gritchuk is not going to be uh, very high. I just picked him up in a dynasty league, um, you know, and he cost me uh, pretty much, uh, he cost me AJ Minter and kind of a uh, a solid prospect, a guy like uh, Jan Torres of the of the Cardinals, uh, but I'm going for it this year, and so uh, and I need home runs, and so I, I was looking at Grichuk as a nice little insurance policy to give me um, some depth and play matchups in outfield. So hopefully I'll get a little bit more with maybe some improved uh, plate appearance, improved contact. All of that should help the OBP and the batting average, um, as well as the volume of overall fly balls. And so uh, who knows, Grichuk may go on a little bit of a run like he did yeah, last year in the second half. The next guy is the guy that I have the most questions about, and it's not necessarily questions about um, how good he might perform, but it's really a question of playing time. And that's Jesus Aguilar, first baseman of the Brewers. He's obviously been one of the major disappointments this year. He was a top 100 uh, pick, pretty much consensus there, um, and he has just been awful. Um, but he has put it started to put it together over the last few weeks. His contact rate is way up. His hard hit rate um, has also surged at the same time that his ground ball percentage has dropped. And he's also demonstrating solid plate discipline uh, over this period of time. So really all of the different pieces of the stool, if you will, if you think of like uh, plate discipline, uh, contact skills being two, two legs of the stool, kind of the plate skills and then the other two uh, being hitting the ball in the air and the next one being hitting it hard. Um, he's kind of putting that all together. And so, um, you know, the Brewers can't really afford to leave hot, hot bats on the bench. Uh, they have so far in the second half with Aguilar. And so if he only gets, you know, these um, uh, left-handed pitchers, then he's not going to have much value at all, um, really. But um, if he is able to um, if he is able to, uh, oh my God, by the way, I'm watching the, I'm watching the Angels Astros game right now. And I just watched Pujols run home, uh, on a, on a ball that got away from an infielder coming in. And he is so slow. It is unbelievable, but somehow, um, he beat the throw, 
uh, and scored. Sorry, got a little distracted there. Uh, but um, so Aguilar, we'll see if he hits well enough. I think he can he can play his way in to everyday at bats because despite Eric Thames has been a little bit better recently. Um, but I think a lot of it, if you look at his woba versus expected woba, is not great. Um, and so um, you know Aguilar might be a guy who's able to snag some some more plate appearances. And I think if he does, I think he's going to be really good in the at bats that he does get uh, this second half. All right, that is going to wrap it up for uh, some hitters that I like heading into this year. Uh, Again, there's a number of guys that I like heading into next year, but what I've tried to do is kind of focus um, on some guys that, you know, maybe... um, uh, you know, maybe maybe available and for trades. Uh, a lot of these guys aren't going to be on the waiver wire, at least in deeper leagues. Um, but you know, they are guys I think that can help you out uh, over the course of the remainder of the season. So, um, and and I don't think the price will be exorbitant, uh, really, for any of them. Um, at this uh, point in time. So hopefully uh, that helps you out a little bit heading into the uh, second half. Uh, Next up, I'm going to cover four pitchers that I like heading into the second half. This list was actually a little bit... um, a little bit longer initially, and then I guess I dove into guys. There's just... Pitching is just brutal right now, and so I just think it's really... um, You know, it's really tough to identify guys who, you know, might might be able to break out a little bit without absolutely destroying your teams. And I certainly, without um, a decent amount of confidence, don't want to do that to all of y'all because you hopefully uh, trust uh, what I share here. So one guy that I love heading into the second half, and I think he could put together, you know, he's not going to put together the same run that he did uh, back in 2017 because so much of that is, you know, uh, is the result of luck, but is Robbie Ray. Uh, he's been throwing really, really well recently. The strikeouts are are pretty much a given at this point, but his strikeout skills have remained elite while his control metrics have improved uh, to right around league average over the last month plus. Uh, he's got, uh, from control metric perspective, uh, the O-swing over his last five starts, 32%, uh, 65.8% first pitch strike, and then a 40% zone percentage. Uh, that works out to 36.4% of his pitches being balls when league average is 35.8% over the same period of time. Uh, so right around league average there, which for him um, is a really good development. Uh, his called plus swinging strike rate over that period of time, 33.8%. A really uh, That's an elite number right there, one of the highest. Um, and that's what really caught my attention recently is that Ray doesn't... Uh, he gets a lot of swinging strikes, but not a lot of called strikes. And so when he started showing up atop the leaderboard for CSW, definitely got my attention. Uh, he's got a 15% swinging strike rate over those last five starts. Uh, in-zone contact rate uh, is number two in the league behind uh, Max Scherzer uh, at 75.9%. And then he's been a little bit unlucky, a 332 WOBA over that period of time uh, versus a 300 expected WOBA, which isn't great. But with the strikeout skills, um, you know, and improved control, uh, you can deal a little bit with the quality of contact that Ray sometimes does um, give up. And so he's a guy that I like a lot and that I would be targeting in trade leagues um, because I do think that he could uh, go on a nice little run here. He has been rumored potentially to, to be on the trade block. I don't know if that uh, will happen. But one thing that a lot of people have pointed out is that 
the profile that Ray has is similar to uh, the profile that Max Scherzer had um, when he kind of struggled with control a lot. Like he was always a guy who could get strikeouts but really struggled with control, worked at his craft and got better. Um, and Ray, if I remember correctly, I'm going to have to check this out because I don't want to I don't want to lie to you guys. Um, I think Ray is still relatively young. He's been around for a while. Yeah, so he's 27. Um, so he's still relatively young, especially for a pitcher. And so um, who knows? This could be uh, one of the times where he gets that control, um, you know, the control under control, and he's able to uh, take off in the second half. Another guy, and I've been tweeting about this guy um, a lot, is Vince Velasquez. Um, it's brave to consider uh, Vince Velasquez on the list the night before he goes up against the Dodgers. Uh, he's starting against the Dodgers t- tomorrow, but I'm going to do it. Uh, the reason why, uh, he's got a CSW over 30% at 30.2% in the last month, uh, 15.7% swinging strike rate over his last five games, 79% in zone contact, so really nice strikeout metrics. And one of the things that I like to mention that I don't always mention is that the reason why I like to look at Z contact is, you know, in zone contact is a really good, um, it's a really good proxy for dominance. If you ask me, like if you look at the in zone contact leaders uh, over the course of a season, a lot of times you look at them and those are the best pitchers. Um, It really is a sign that if a guy can kind of challenge you and still beat you inside the zone, it's a really good sign. And also there's a lot of guys, like a good example might be like a Felix Pena, where they have a really high swinging strike rate, but they give up a ton of contact in the zone. And so that means that they're really relying on guys swinging at pitches outside the zone to get those swinging strikes. And so if guys aren't chasing outside the zone or they're going against a team with good plate discipline, you know, they can get knocked around a little bit. Um, And it also limits the K rate because, you know, when they're, you know, they may be getting a lot of swinging strike rate strikes outside the zone, but you know they're not able to fool people in the zone, and so when they do throw strikes um, and batters swing, contact is made, and it results in more balls in play. Um, and so that's why I like to look at both swinging strike rate and in zone contact rate uh, from those like Fangraphs metrics um, when I'm looking at pitchers. Um, he's also improved his control dramatically. Velasquez, sixty-four point eight percent first pitch strike, forty-five point five percent. Zone percentage, uh, only 34.1% uh, of his pitches are balls. Um, and he's about league average in, at O swing at 30.5%. You combine those really nice strikeout skills with the solid control metrics, and he's got a 26.8% K rate over his last five games versus a 2.8% walk rate. That's a 24%. Uh, K minus walk rate, which is obviously um, excellent. He's due regression there on that walk rate a little bit. Um, and so that's just one thing I think that I would uh, just mention to folks like that's that's not going to continue. But uh, if he continues the skills that he's been showing recently, uh, I certainly think having a league average or slightly below league average uh, walk rate for Velasquez would be possible. Um, and so uh, that's why I really like Velasquez, even though he is going up against the Dodgers. If you have a, I mean, I, I wouldn't start him against the Dodgers um, tomorrow. If you have a two step, um, you know, it's a little dicey just because it is the Dodgers. And that's the thing, like with a lot of the guys that I'm going to be mentioning, um, or at least two of the four pitchers that I'm going to be mentioning, like these are guys who, you know, they're not, they're not like 100% owned. They're probably not even 50% owned. 
um, at least in 12-team leagues. And so for that reason, like, they're all going to have warts. And so with pitchers with warts, you generally don't want to have them go up against the Dodgers unless they're lefties uh, because the Dodgers still are not as good um, uh, against lefties. So Velasquez, uh, solid there. He's throwing his slider. It's up a, a good amount, 31.7% of the time. Uh, over over the last five games, his four seam fastball this year has generated an eleven point six percent swinging strike rate, really, is, which is really good. And the swinging strike rate on the slider is also up. Uh, last month it was over twenty percent. Whether and the four seam fastball is also up. It was at eighteen percent last month. And so you know whether or not those are probably just small samples, but if they um, uh, if he can show a little bit of improvement in that department, it's certainly going to go a long way. And then he's also been unlucky. And I think that's one thing that you'll notice is, you know, a lot of these guys are guys who may not be on folks' radar because they are getting knocked around uh, a little bit. But, uh, you know, the Woba versus Xwoba shows that they're getting a little bit unlucky. So maybe that uh, that luck is going to turn if they can show the same skills. A 325 Woba uh, since uh, June 8th. Uh, and a 283 expected Woba over that same period of time. So again, uh, a little bit of lack of luck for Velasquez there. But another guy I like heading into the second half. Uh, next up is uh, Ross Stripling. Uh, Stripling struggled in his uh, his first uh, few starts uh, with the Dodgers. I'm not sure he got any wins. Um, he might have pitched well in one of them. But he did after the break. And I promise you Stripling was on this list before the break. Uh, he did dominate the Red Sox uh, right after the, the break. But even before that, the CSW has been very strong. Um, you know, he doesn't have a great uh, swinging strike rate necessarily. Uh, but, um, you know, he's able to get a decent amount of called strikes. And um, that CSW uh, is at 32.6% uh, since June 8th. So really since he uh, started... Uh, since he became a starter in the Dodgers rotation. Uh, and he's also only got a 32.6% of his pitches are balls. Um, and so that's uh, much lower than league average as well. So, sh- sh- so showing, so showing, sorry guys. Uh, so uh, showing really nice strikeout skills and uh, control metrics. And that uh, looks like a 26.5% K rate over the last five games and a 4.8% walk rate. So good for about a 22% uh, K minus walk rate, which is excellent. Uh, and one of the reasons why you may not be as into stripling as you first were when he started, or why he might have been potentially dropped in like a shallower league, is that he's been incredibly unlucky. So since June 8th, he has a 361 uh, Woba versus a 270 uh, expected Woba. So there's almost a 100-point gap between his Woba and his expected Woba. So if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be very, very successful. And so for that reason, um, you know, it may be hard after that Red Sox uh, start, and I apologize that I wasn't able to get this podcast out uh, over the All-Star break. Um, but, uh, you know, he's still, the value might be a little bit low, and so you may look uh, to make a move for Stripling because I really think he's, he's shown what he can do uh, when he's on, and that is be a, be a top, top pitcher um, in baseball. Uh, next up, we got Daniel Ponce de Leon. He's a, power, he's a, uh, he's a popular guy after his last uh, start uh, over the weekend. He's in the rotation now against the Cardinals. Um, again, I had this lined up before the All-Star break, and so um, 
you know, it's unfortunate that he has uh, pitched well uh, since then. Um, but uh, he's really pitched well in Major League Baseball. Like last year, he pitched well in the cameos that he was able to get. Um, he has pitched really well with the exception of one outing this year. And he's really been able to be dominant with his four-seam fastball. I put out a tweet um, uh, during his start, but 13.2% uh, of his um Four-seam fastballs have gone for swinging strikes, which is a which is an elite number uh, for four-seam fastballs, and it's actually higher over the course of his career. It's at fourteen point three percent, and it's not like a minuscule sample size. It's it's uh, close to three hundred pitches, and so you know it's probably going to go down a little bit, but that's really really nice. Uh, overall, in his last five uh, games, that's three starts and two bullpen appearances, 12.2% swinging strike rate, 31.5% uh, O-swing, 84.2% Z-contact, so better than league average in both swinging strike rate and in-zone contact rate. That O-swing, slightly better than league average. He does have some control issues with a low 48.8% first pitch strike rate so he's getting behind guys but again like when he's challenging them with fastballs they're not doing a ton with it uh, and then a 40.3 percent zone percentage so 36.5 percent uh, of his pitches go for balls so slightly worse than league average um, overall on the walk right there i'm not necessarily as sold on ponce de leon um, just because he is so reliant on that four seam fastball getting whiffs he doesn't have any other secondary pitches with a swinging strike rate above 10 percent uh, but so far so good and again like he's one of the guys that's probably going to be available in most leagues outside of uh, really competitive 15 teamers and so um, there's something there, and hitters have not been able to catch up with him yet. Um, his uh, WOBA and expected WOBA are both uh, very, uh, very low. He's got a 238 WOBA and a 254 expected WOBA, so he's not giving up quality contact. He's limiting quality of contact. So he's doing well right now. Again, the repertoire doesn't necessarily point to it being highly sustainable, but I'd kind of give it a run just because... Um, you know, he's, um, he's been able to do it so far and, you know, there's nothing like, it's not like he's getting super lucky on batted ball quality. He's limiting batted ball quality. And maybe that, maybe that might be a skill he has. Um, I, I highly doubt it, but I think right now you run with him. Uh, he has the pirates on Wednesday. Um, and I want to say, um, that he also has some nice matchups next week. I think he's scheduled to pitch two um, next week. Uh, yeah, so he's um, against Pittsburgh in St. Louis um, going on Wednesday, and then on uh, Tuesday, I believe it is, uh, no, Monday of next week, he's at Pittsburgh, which is also uh, a decent matchup. And so uh, Ponce de Leon is a guy that I like in the second half. But, you know, unlike Stripling maybe and, and Ray, obviously like you're holding on to Ray, um, you know, with Velasquez and Ponce de Leon, definitely monitor them closely um, to see where they're going to be at. One guy who I really liked heading into the second half, but he's been demoted to the bullpen, so I'm not going to talk about him. If you're interested in a deeper analysis of how well he's been doing, uh, Eliezer uh, Hernandez of the Marlins, he's now in the bullpen. I think he'll probably be dominant in the bullpen with that slider. Um, he also is forcing fastballs very much improved this year as well. Um, and so he's a guy that I really like. If he gets back into the rotation, I would pounce um, because, uh, I, you know, the CSW is nice. Every, all of the metrics are nice. If you're interested, just look um, uh, on my timeline for Twitter. Uh, I've, I've 
been writing about him for a few weeks now. He's a guy that I really, really like, and I'm sad to see him uh, go to the bullpen. He's got an elite slider that just really uh, everything else kind of builds off of uh, off of that pitch. So those are four starting pitchers that I like, a little bit of why. Um, again, I didn't, as I mentioned in the intro, I didn't go as in-depth as I usually do with these guys and do my typical um, kind of process. Um, you know, I, I, the research was just taking too long, and I wanted to get this out at some point early on here um, in the second half so that I could share it with all of you, and I thought that was a little bit more important than uh, kind of going super deep. But if you have any other questions about the guys that I've covered or other players, um, definitely hit me up. I will try to continue to um, share you know, some metrics that I'm seeing or guys that I see as potential breakouts, especially guys who may not be, who may be uh, much lower uh, on folks' uh, radars. That is going to wrap us up for episode 83 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Really, really appreciate it. I hope uh, I hope that was helpful uh, going over those players. I hope that either they're on your team and you're going to stick with them or you're excited to have them on your teams. Uh, you're looking to trade for them maybe if you don't have them. Some of those guys potentially on your waiver wire uh, looking to add them um, at some point. Uh, whatever it is, even the process that I'm sharing, hopefully uh, some of that has been uh, useful to you uh, for sure. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, it's nice to have baseball back. I'm really enjoying, I really enjoyed the break, having a little bit of time off, uh, having a little time to kind of recalibrate and reset um, and get really, really excited for baseball to start back up again. And that is happening. Um, so again, thank you so much for listening. Take care and be kind to one another.